This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Tonight I want to talk to you about the Bible definition of salvation. The, the, the language itself that the Bible uses and that the Holy Ghost chose to use in describing salvation shows God's attitude towards sickness and disease and his, shows his attitude and his willingness to heal. Romans chapter 10. Um, well, let's start in verse 8 and we'll read down through verse 10. It says, But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Paul called his preaching the word of faith. Now, I know a lot of people don't like to hear that because they speak of the so-called word of faith in a disparaging way, but that's what Paul called his gospel. Verse 9, he says, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Verse 9 tells us how to get saved. To confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, or Jesus as your Lord, and to believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. Those two pillars, those two criteria, once met, will enable any person on the face of the earth, no matter what their past is, no matter what they've done, no matter what they haven't done, no matter what, to be saved. Now, I want you to notice the word saved in verse 9. The word saved in verse 9 and is used uh, to, and translated saved a number of different times in the, throughout the New Testament in the Greek language is the word sozo, S-O-Z-O. And let me read it to you. Let me read from Strong's the definition of what this word. It says, uh, the definition of the word sozo is to save, such as deliver or protect, literally or figuratively, to heal, to preserve, to do well, to be made whole. Now, this same word sozo is used in some other places that we might be familiar with. One is in Acts chapter 14 where it talks about Paul ministering in uh, Lystra. Acts chapter 14, verse 9. Well, let's back up to verse 7. And there they preached the gospel in Lystra. And there sat a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who had never walked. The same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him and perceiving that he had faith to be healed. This word healed in verse 9 is the word sozo. Paul perceived that by the preaching of the gospel, the man received faith to be healed. Or we might say it this way, faith to be saved. Now, this is the same word that's translated saved over in James chapter 5 and verse 15, where it says, giving instruction to the sick, it says, is any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church and let them, the elders, pray over them and only them with all in the name of the Lord and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. It's the word sozo for saved. What does it mean? It means to heal. Let me give you some other examples. Luke chapter 8 and verse 50. It's talking about Jairus' daughter. While he yet spake, there cometh one from the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying to him, Thy daughter is dead, trouble not the master. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him, saying, Fear not, believe only, and she shall be made whole. So-so. Another example is in Mark chapter 5, verse 23. Here's here's Mark's account of Jairus' daughter's situation. He besought him greatly. Jairus besought Jesus greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her that she may be healed. Sozo. And that she shall live. Another example, and we can 
take as, many, take as much time to go through these as you like because there's plenty of them. Luke chapter 8, verse 36. This is talking about the madman of Gadara after he was uh, delivered from the power of the devil and the devil cast out of him. It said, speaking of those that witnessed it, they also which saw it told them by what means he that was possessed of the devils was healed. Sozo. Concerning the woman with issue of blood, both Matthew and Mark tell us about it. Matthew chapter 9. Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith has made thee whole. Sozo. And the woman was made whole from that hour. Same things in Mark chapter 5 and verse 34. Daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Time and time and time again, the Bible uses the same word for salvation or saved. Salvation is usually the word uh, uh, when salvation is used in the Scripture. It's uh, usually the word soteria, which is similar it's a different tense of a, of a similar word. The word soteria means to save, to heal, to deliver. So there is a, a slight difference in the meaning of the word, but, uh, uh, but they're very similar. But anytime the word saved is used in the, in the New Testament, it's the word sozo. And it means an inclusive salvation. Paul said in, in Hebrews, and this is the word sozo as well, he said, how shall we escape, if talking about the Old Testament, when Israel didn't receive the word of God delivered by angels, he said, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? That's the word sozo. Neglect so great a salvation. In other words, an all-encompassing, an all-inclusive work of God that not only provides for the recreation or the redemption of the man, man's spirit and the forgiveness of sins, but also healing for the physical body. Now turn back with him in Mark chapter 2. Jesus, we should recognize this, we should know this just from uh, an honest reading of the Scripture. But it says, beginning in verse 1, Mark chapter 2, verse 1, and again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. The uh, American Standard Version, uh, uh, I'm not sure if I've got the right, either American Standard Version or the Revised Standard Version, one of those two says that Jesus was in his house. And straightway many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them, no not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they came unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born or carried of four others. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins are forgiven you. Now, folks, I've said this before, and I don't mean to be disrespectful about this, but I would venture to say they didn't come for the sins, their sins to be forgiven. I'm not saying they rejected it. I'm not saying they said, wait, 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 Jesus, we don't want any part of that. But that's not their primary purpose, is it? They're bringing him to be healed. But Jesus knows something that they may not have known. He knows something that most of the church world today doesn't know, and that is... The same cause of sin is the cause of sickness. Romans 5.12 says, For by one man sin enters the world and death by sin. In other words, it's saying when Adam sinned and disobeyed God in the Garden of Eden, it opened the door for spiritual death. Now, you don't sin because Adam sinned. You sin, talking about the unbeliever today, the unbeliever sins because he's ruled by spiritual death. It wasn't his sin that brought spiritual death upon him. It was Adam's sin. Adam's sin caused the spiritual death to rule and, uh, rule and uh, have dominion over all of mankind. It wasn't the individual sin. 
Bible says we're born into sin. The whole world lieth in darkness. Why? Because spiritual death rules and reigns. The Bible says even further in Romans, it says, wherefore by one man's sin, spiritual death entered the world and gained dominion. Adam's sin, not your sin, not my sin. I wasn't a sinner because or I wasn't unsaved because of my own sin. I was unsaved because spiritual death was ruling and dominating me. And I had no power to get out from under sin because I was spiritually dead. It's only after the spiritual death issue is dealt with. It's only after the original sin issue is dealt with that man can become free from the bondage of the enemy. So Jesus recognizes the reason that this man is crippled in Mark chapter 2. He realizes sin is the issue. Now, Jesus knew something else that most of the church world hadn't figured out. And that is, once you deal with the sin issue, healing is a given. That's why there was no sickness in the earth before Adam sinned. Because he was in the, made in the image of God. He had the life of God within him. There's no place for sickness. Because he's in right standing with God. So Jesus deals with the important issue first. He said, man, your sins are forgiven you. Well, that created a stir in the group. One, another trans, another uh, gospel account says that the people that were filling the house were doctors of the law and Pharisees and so forth. Well, now they're all upset. There were certain of the scribes, Mark chapter 2, verse 6, but there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. That's a problem. Get unsaved people trying to think things out. That's why we've got some of the church doctrine we've got. And so here's what they reasoned. They said, why does this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? Folks, that's a great question. They're right about that. Nobody can forgive sins except God. What they're identifying is they don't believe who he is. And Jesus immediately perceived in his spirits, they reasoned within themselves in this way. And he said unto them, why reason these things in your hearts? Which is easier? Whether it is easier, that means which is easier to say? To the sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk. Now, I want you to notice, folks, we've got an answer for that. The modern-day church has an answer for that. It's a whole lot easier to say your sins are forgiven. Now, the reason we think that is because Jesus commissioned us to go preach the gospel. Whosoever sins you remit, they're remitted. Whosoever sins you retain, they're retained. That doesn't mean you and I as an individual have a right to either forgive or withhold forgiveness for somebody's sins. It means very simply anybody that accepts the preaching of the gospel that Jesus died as a substitute for man's sins, we can say to them, your sins are remitted. Not because of what we do, but because that's part of the good news of the gospel of Jesus. All it takes is receiving the work of substitution that Jesus made and your sins are remitted. You're redeemed, in other words. Those sins are done away with. But if somebody rejects the preaching of the gospel and says, well, I don't want anything to do with that Jesus stuff, then we have every right to say, and I'm not saying that this would be the way to go, but we have every right to say, in principle, then your sins are retained. In other words, sin has to be answered for. You can either accept what Jesus did as the answering for or the, pre- the payment of sin, or you can answer for your own. Let me suggest option one. But that's what that means. 
When Jesus said, whosoever sins you remit, they're remitted, and whosoever sins you retain, they're retained, that comes by the person, the individual's choice to either accept or reject Jesus. So when Jesus says, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or rise, take up your bed and walk? The modern-day church would say, well, it's easier to say your sins are forgiven. But what's the point Jesus is making? He's saying it's the same work that provides for both. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. Now, whatever somebody, you or me or somebody else might think of why Jesus healed the sick, Matthew eight seventeen tells us why he healed everybody that was sick. Jesus healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Well, this question's still out there. They didn't answer it. The question is, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or rise, take up your bed and walk? Nobody would dare to answer that. Now, they're probably thinking, well, God uses some people to heal sickness, but only God himself can forgive sin. So nobody has the right on this earth, according to their thinking, according to their wrong doctrine, they thought that nobody had a right on the earth to forgive the sins of another man. Well, how does that forgiveness come? In their thinking and in their experience, only through the shedding of blood of the animals, the day of atonement. That's the only way. Jesus is now, and this is a very important point, Jesus is now, Mark chapter 2, at that point in time, Jesus is saying, I have the same power as the day of atonement sacrifice. Else how could he forgive sins? The only provision God has made for the forgiveness of sins up until that point is the yearly sacrifice, the annual sacrifice, one day a year, the bloodiest day of Israel's history. And it came year after year after year. For what purpose? To show the people that only through the shedding of blood could forgiveness of sin come. But because it's an impure animal, an earthly creature, it has to be repeated. Not so with Jesus. He shed precious blood, righteous blood, holy blood. So he entered one time to make an eternal redemption for us. So Jesus says, the question is still out there. He said, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or rise, take up your bed and walk? Man, those rusty gears are working in the scribes' heads at that point. Jesus answers the question. He said, verse 10, but that you may know. Everybody say no. Therefore, what Jesus does in this case and in this example of healing is supposed to cause us to know something. I wish the church knew this. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Let me clear, let me uh, rephrase this to, to make a point. But that you may know that the Son of Man has the same power on the earth as the Day of Atonement sacrifice. But that you may know that the Son of Man has the same power on God's behalf toward Israel as the Lamb without spot or blemish that's kept up all year long 
for one purpose and one purpose only, and that is for his blood to be spilled to make a day of atonement sacrifice. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on the earth to forgive sins. He said to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise and take up your bed and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up his bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. We never saw anything like this before. Now, what has Jesus done? From God's perspective, Jesus has proven that he has the power to forgive sins. Now, remember, this is not going to the cross. This man whose sins are forgiven and was healed still has to receive Jesus as his Lord and Savior after the resurrection if he's going to make his way into heaven. This is a temporary work when Jesus was here on the earth. But notice the temporary work pointed to something that everybody understood, and that was the sacrifice, the Day of Atonement sacrifice. Is there any doubt or any question in any theological circle whatsoever that the Day of Atonement sacrifice pointed to Jesus and the cross? None. Nobody that believes in Jesus would dare question that the Old Testament ritual of the annual sacrifice is an example for us to see Jesus. It was superseded. It was replaced when Jesus went to the cross. That's what Paul's ministry was all about, and that's why he had so much trouble with the Jews because he's saying you don't have to keep the sacrifice anymore. Jesus is it. And the Jews, many of the Jews, that even those that had become Christians, said, well, we've grown up with the law of Moses. We can't turn loose of that. Yeah, we'll accept Jesus and we'll believe that he's the son of God and he did miracles and all that kind of stuff. But we still keep the law of Moses too, don't we? And Paul said, no, Jesus fulfilled it. He replaced it. He was the substitute for this. So what is this story showing us? It's showing us that the same price for sin is the price for sickness. What is that price? A sacrifice, an atonement. Now let's talk about that for a minute. In Exodus chapter 15, the Bible tells us about the Passover, when the Passover was instituted. 1 Corinthians 5, 7 says, Christ is our Passover sacrifice for us. No question in any theological circle whatsoever that the Passover is also a type of Jesus. Why? Because it was the shedding of blood to protect from the angel of death. What did the angel of death represent? It represented the judgment, the righteous judgment of God upon spiritually dead men and women. What kept that righteous judgment from coming on Israel? One and only one thing, and that was blood on the doorpost. The animal that was sacrificed and the blood that was applied to the doorpost. The doorpost signifies the the door to your heart. That type is fulfilled when you make Jesus the Lord of your life. You accept his sacrifice on the cross, make him the Lord of your life, and then we are, as the Bible says, washed in the blood of Jesus. What that means is that blood protects us from the righteous judgment that belongs to the spiritually dead. Now, part of the sacrifice or part of the Passover, I should say, was that when God was delivering Egypt, the original, the initial Passover, God was going to deliver Israel from Egypt, the bondage of Egypt, the very next day. It was after the death of the firstborn, the day after the death of the firstborn, that Pharaoh finally said, go and we don't want to see you anymore. Get out of here. He turned them loose. God had prepared Moses in order to prepare Israel to be ready to go when he said, let them go. So Israel has borrowed, as the King James says, 
literally gone to their neighbors and demanded payment for 400 years of slavery. Spoiled the Egyptians. They're ready to go. But part of the Passover, part of the, the, um, the ritual of the Passover was that not only was the lamb to be killed and so the blood was applied to the doorposts, but also the lamb was to be eaten, every bit of it, not one, li- one, not one bit left over. If the lamb was too big for one household, the two households were supposed to get together so that nothing was left over. They were instructed to eat all of it for the physical strength for their journey. Now, later on, after they're delivered from the bondage of Egypt, after they come through the Red Sea on dry land, they come to a place where the waters are bitter. And God tells Moses to take a tree, which signifies the cross, and throw it in the middle of the waters, and the waters were purified. And God makes an ordinance. He calls himself, he identifies himself by his first redemptive name. Redemptive name means part of what Adam lost in the Garden of Eden through sin. That first redemptive name is Jehovah Rapha. First thing God identifies himself to the people as is Jehovah Rapha, which means I am the Lord that healeth thee. And according to the language, there's two ways you can look at it. Uh, Exodus 15 verse 26. He says, if you'll keep my commandments and keep my, and walk in my statutes, I'll allow none of the diseases of Egypt upon you, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. That word healeth is a present perfect term, which means it's not only a continuous action word, it also has a meaning to something that's already occurred. The Bible says in the Psalms, it says that God brought them forth, brought Israel forth, anywhere from five to seven million people. He brought them forth with silver and gold, and there was not one sick or feeble person among them. How do you get 7 million people together and not have sick people? How is that possible? I mean, folks, the law of averages is against that. Forget about the hand of God. The law of averages. You can't find 7 million people at random and not have sick people. So when God says, I'm the Lord that healeth thee, he is probably, probably, can't prove it definitively, but he's probably not only saying, I'm the Lord that provides healing for you, I'm the Lord that heals you through the Passover. Now, we've got some Bible evidence to to support that. That was God's first revelation to Israel about who he is. He said, I am the Lord that healeth thee. I'm the one that did heal you. I'm the one that will heal you every time you need it. It's a continuous action verb. Over in um, 2 Chronicles chapter 30, 765 years have gone by since the original Passover was instituted. Hezekiah is now king of Israel. Hezekiah is replacing some evil kings and he wants to do right by God. And so he decides to tear down the idols and the groves and all the other stuff that the evil kings have been doing. And then he comes up with the idea to reinstitute the Passover because Israel has been walking in disobedience to God. They haven't been keeping the Passover. They've forgotten some of the rituals. They've forgotten some of the the annual feasts and things that they were supposed to be doing because all those things honored God and they weren't honoring God. So Hezekiah commands Israel, we're going to start this Passover thing again. And so he instructs the people to do it. He instructs, gives instruction back to the, the, um, uh, the book, law of Moses, the books of Moses. He has those read and proclaimed throughout Israel. He said, we're going to do it on the right day, on the day of the Passover. We're going to do this again. He starts it up again. The Bible says that there were certain ones that did it wrong. They didn't cleanse themselves. They didn't prepare themselves. And they still partook of the Passover. And I'm going to start reading here in Second Chronicles chapter 30. Verse 18 and uh, 18, 19, and 20. 
Hezekiah prayed for them, saying, The good Lord pardon every one that prepareth his heart to seek God, the Lord of his fathers, though he may not be cleansed according to the purification of the sanctuary. Now, here's what happened 765 years after the Passover was instituted in Exodus chapter 15. And the Lord, this is Second Chronicles 30, verse 20, And the Lord hearkened to Hezekiah and healed the people. Oh, but Pastor Mike, that word healed just means to forgive. Well, actually, that word healed means to mend or cure. What I want you to see is Israel, 765 years after the Passover was instituted, Israel was healed in body through the partaking of the Passover. As I said, nobody argues. 1 Corinthians 5, 7, Christ is our Passover sacrifice for us. Let me read a couple of scriptures real quick. I'll just pull some out of out of their setting just for the sake of time. Leviticus gives some instructions, some specific instructions for the cleansing of those who had leprosy and other contagious or communicable diseases. In Leviticus chapter 14, verse 18, it says, And the remnant of the oil that is in the priest's hand, he shall pour upon the head of him that is to be cleansed, and the priest shall make an atonement for him before the Lord. Notice what is to cleanse the leper. An atonement. Verse 20. And the priest shall offer the burnt offering and the meat offering upon the altar. And the priest shall make an atonement for him and he shall be clean. Verse 21. And if he be poor and cannot get so much, then he shall take one lamb for a trespass offering to be waived to make an atonement for him. And one-tenth of the fine, uh, one-tenth deal of fine flour mixed with oil for a meat offering and a log of oil. Chapter 15 goes on to tell what happens or what should happen, the, the procedure for those that have an issue of blood and not leprosy. Oh, wait a minute, I skipped one. Before I get to chapter 15, let me read verse 31. And the priest shall make an atonement for him, this is still talking about the leper, for him that is to be cleansed before the Lord. Verse 53, it says, But he shall let go the living bird out of the city into the open fields and make an atonement for the house, and it shall be clean. Now in chapter 15, with those that have an issue of blood, like the woman in Mark chapter 5, Verse 15, and the priest shall offer them one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering. And the priest shall make an atonement before, for him before the Lord for his issue. Verse 30, and the priest shall offer the one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering. And the priest shall make an atonement for her before the Lord for the issue of her uncleanness. Now, let me ask you a question. Since every time the Bible talks about an atonement, it's talking about that which represents that ritual and operation of the old covenant that represents Jesus and was fulfilled by the cross of Jesus, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Nobody argues that. Every denomination on the face of the earth, every religious group that believes in Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross, everybody accepts the fact and preaches the fact that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament type of the atonement. If over and over and over again, the type of the atonement, meaning the shedding of blood, whether it's a lamb or whether it's a bird or whatever the different atonements methods were, it was always something regarding shedding of blood. You couldn't make an atonement without shedding blood. If the Old Testament type of the atonement, the the type of Jesus provided healing, where in the world did the church get the idea that the fulfillment of the type, Jesus literally shedding his blood to go into the cross, doesn't do anything for the physical body. God's Word is the answer for every problem we'll face in this life. What a privilege it is to believe God 
and to walk by faith. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. The Old Testament Day of Atonement was a day of healing. The Passover was a day of healing. Jesus was the fulfillment of both of those types for both the forgiveness of man's sins and the healing of his physical body. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.